Welcome to the third Backtracker Show, where I take you for a stroll down memory lane and discover the stories of places and people that lived before. I'm mainly concentrating on the southwest of England, but I've already been sent some really interesting articles from other areas that I would love to share with you. Hopefully you would have recognised at least one of those songs at the beginning, They were by the late Eddie Cochran, who would often be cited as one of the pioneers of rockabilly, but his style was more muscular and less twangy than those of his peers, adding a bluesy accent to the music that meshed comfortably with his country-influenced melodies. Cochran was also an impressive guitar player and a songwriter, young enough to understand the teenagers and their fascination with cars, girls and good times. But he was also talented enough to bring his stories to life, and mix them with energetic, catchy melodies. Songs like Summertime Blues, Come On Everybody, and Something Else. Edward Ray Cochran was born on October 3rd, 1938, in Albert Lee, Minnesota. His parents were originally from Oklahoma and his earliest influences were in country music. Cochran was a schoolboy when he began playing the drums and he soon moved on to teach himself guitar and piano. The family moved to Los Angeles and it was there that his singing career really took off, forming the Cochran brothers with Hank Cochran, who wasn't actually a relation, before going solo in 1956. Later that same year he managed to land a part in the film The Girl Can't Help It, which starred Jane Mansfield. On February 3rd, 1959, two of Eddie's friends, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens, along with the Big Bopper, were killed in a plane crash near Clear Lake, Iowa, while on tour. The day after the tragedy, Cochran recorded three stars as a tribute to his friends. He reportedly had trouble getting through the spoken word includes particularly the segment in which he talks directly to Holly. Buddy, I can still see you with that shy grin on your face. 
seems like your hair was always a little messed up. Kind of out of place. Now, not many people actually knew you or understood how you felt. But just a song from, just a song from you could make the coldest heart melt. Well, you're singing for God now in his chorus in the sky. Buddy Holly, I'll always remember you with tears in my eyes. Eddie's friends and family later said that he was badly shaken by their deaths and developed a morbid premonition that he would also die young and wanted to spend more time in the studio rather than touring, but because of financial concerns, he had to tour again. Even while on his last tour, while staying at the Milverton Lodge in Manchester, Eddie told the manager, Mr Arnold Milverton, I feel so horrible, there's nothing I can do about it, but I know I'm going to die. Mr Milverton went on to say he first came to see me on Thursday morning and looked pale and drawn. He said he hadn't slept all night and then blurted out that he was going to die. We couldn't do anything to allay his fears and he got worse. It was the same on Friday and Saturday, although he managed to get some sleep after we called a doctor who gave him sedatives. Two weeks before the accident, Eddie rang his mum in California, saying that he was coming home. He was homesick and nothing could stop him. On the 16th of April 1960, the tour ended with its final performance at Bristol's Hippodrome Theatre. The tour had originally only been two weeks, but was extended by ten weeks due to a huge demand for tickets. He was very popular. He hadn't planned on travelling to London by car, but by train. They had a change of plan as Jean was suffering from debilitating pain in his legs, after a motorcycle accident a few years before had left him with a limp and chronic pain. Jean just wanted to get to London faster. As they were getting into the taxi, the group began singing, California, Here I Come. Jean was sitting next to Eddie in the cab to London for their flight back to America for a brief visit home. Eddie's tour manager, Patrick Tompkins, and Eddie's fiancée, singer-songwriter, Sharon Seeley, she wrote Ricky Nelson's number one hit, Poor Little Fool were also in the Ford console that was later estimated to have been travelling in excess of 60 miles per hour through a dark and winding section of the two-lane A4. The car blew a tyre and crashed into a lamppost on Roden Hill. There's a plaque there today that marks the site of the car crash. No other vehicle was involved in the incident. Jean was asleep just before the impact and Eddie, who was seated in the centre of the back seat, had his arm around Sharon. Eddie noticed that the driver was speeding and kept asking him to slow down. Sharon asked if the tyres on the taxi were up to these types of speeds. When the car hit the post, Eddie threw himself over his fiancée to shield her and he was thrown out of the car when a rear passenger door opened in the collision's force. Everyone was thrown from the car. At witnesses say they saw a shower of sheet music and could hear Sharon screaming, Where's Eddie? A thoughtful paramedic clasped the two lovers' hands together for their ride to St Martin's Hospital in Bath. The taxi driver, George Martin, aged 21 from Hartcliffe in Bristol, was later fined £50 and banned from driving for 15 years 
after being found guilty of causing Cochrane's death by dangerous driving. Jean was visited in hospital by three devoted teenage fans. The two sisters and a female cousin hitchhiked 80 miles from Coventry when they heard about the accident. They arrived about midnight and the hospital staff brought Jean out in a wheelchair to see them. Although he was ill and tired, Jean assured them that he would soon be well enough to sing to them. His body was flown home and after a funeral service was buried on April 25th, 1960 at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Cypress, California. When Eddie died, the taxi and other items from the crash were impounded by police awaiting the coroner's inquest to be held. David Harmon, a police cadet at the station, who would later become known as Dave D, of the band Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch, taught himself to play guitar on Cochrane's impounded guitar. Eddie Cochrane's legacy lives on. Even now, you'll find influences of his music and his look, if you look around closely enough. He was very talented, he could play the guitar, piano, bass and drums and his image as a sharply dressed and good looking young man with a rebellious attitude summed up the 1950s rocker and in death he became an icon. In 1987 Cochrane was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. His songs have been recorded by a wide variety of recording artists. The glam rock artist Mark Bolan had his main Gibson Les Paul guitar finished in a transparent orange to resemble the Gresh 6120 played by Cochrane, who was his music hero. It was because Paul McCartney knew the chords and words to 20 Flight Rock that he became a member of the Beatles. John Lennon was so impressed that he invited McCartney to play with his band, The Quarrymen. George Harrison actually saw Eddie Cochran in Liverpool during his final tour and was in awe of both Eddie's guitar playing and his stage persona. He said later, Eddie was standing at the microphone and as he started to talk, he put his two hands through his hair, pushing it back. And a girl, one lone voice, screamed out, Oh, Eddie! And he coolly murmured into the mic, Hi, honey. I thought, Yes, that's it. That's rock and roll. Jimi Hendrix performed Summertime Blues early in his career. And Mick Jagger, who was only 16 when Eddie died, later said, The cat is royalty, man. Forty years later, Jagger recalled, On the records, his sound was really fantastic. They sound very crystal clear and with a good use of sound itself. Beautifully recorded, produced records. They happen to be very influential on all bands coming up through the 60s and even now these records are known to British musicians. Pete Townsend of The Who was heavily influenced by Cochrane's guitar style. Summertime Blues was a staple of live performances by The Who for most of their career. Sharon Healy, Eddie's fiancée, died in 2002 from a brain haemorrhage. She was 62 years old. She would regularly come back to Chippenham for the annual Eddie Cochran Festival. Oh, look at there. Here she comes. Here comes that girl again. Wanted to beat her since I don't know when. But she don't notice me when I pass. She goes with older guys from out of my class. But that bitch 
sure fine looking man. She's something else. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed doing it. I remember when I was a kid listening to Eddie's music and dancing around the living room and just thinking how upbeat and happy it all was. The fact that he was only 21 when he died, it does make you wonder what his career would have been like if he'd lived. He was on the road to so many good things, being in films and... It just... just a waste, really. You can find out more about the show on Twitter and Facebook. Both accounts are exactly the same. It's at Backtracker UK with a capital B, capital T, capital UK. And I hope to keep those updated as often as I can. This show was originally broadcast on Bradley Stoke Radio in Bristol, England. Now don't forget, wherever you get your podcasts, please remember to leave a review. It all helps. So take care and look after each other. <laughs>